Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies Podcast. But the comics aren't enough, and you need a little extra fix. As always, I am your host, JJ Hodges. And folks, this is a uh, this is a really special episode of the Four Comic Junkies Podcast. Uh, not very much comic book stuff talked about in this one. Uh, teeny tiny bit. You also know this, this episode is uh, significantly longer <laughs> than most other episodes we do. Um, so I apologize for that off the bat, but I promise you, it is worth your while. My guest today is Ani Baker. Uh, she's a co-host of the uh, Deliver Us from Disney podcast. She's a documentary filmmaker. She's um, just a beautiful soul, inside and out. Uh, she, she's been through the ringer with life, uh, going from an abusive household uh, to kind of coming out stronger the other end, and I could see that with her. Uh, and, and, you know, he, she and I have talked a little bit here and there on on, uh, on Instagram, and then uh, getting to actually, like, Zoom with her and, and talk with her and share our experiences with uh, with life and uh, and mostly with the the toxicity of, you know, a religious upbringing, which can be, which should be, and we, we discussed this, so uh, we clarify ahead of time, that we are not at all knocking anyone who is religious, who is faithful, who goes to church every Sunday, uh, who actually preaches the word of God, the word of Jesus, right? We, we don't, we, we're not at all knocking those people. What we are doing is knocking the people that use those teachings, those, their, their faith as the moral high ground when they're clearly, you know, not 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 understanding the teachings and using it and perverting it for their own needs and and that and we can all agree that's not okay that's not right to do and it's sad that people use these beautiful teachings to do that um because Ani and I both agree that you know we're both still spiritual people you know uh we believe in God and we believe in uh the good in humanity which is hard to do when uh in in Ani's case she was brought up by uh by really not so great person. Uh, and we get into that a lot. Uh, I commend her for her bravery. I tell her like 17 times how proud of her I am for uh, getting away from her abuse and becoming stronger for it. Um, this, this, guys, this talk was absolutely wonderful and amazing. And I, I hope you'll give it a listen. I hope you'll give it more than one listen because seriously, this, this ended up being one of my absolute favorite, if not my favorite talks that I've ever had. Uh, I promise we'll get back to all the fun comic book stuff eventually, <laughs> but I felt like we needed uh, this time in our lives. You know, the election just happened. We we need this. We need this. Uh, we need something a little bit more serious. And I wanted to I wanted to share that with you all. Um, you know, and as always, blah blah blah. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Four Comic Junkies. Email at Four Comic Junkies dot Gmail or. or Four Comic Junkies at Gmail. Jesus, what am I, like a old man? All right. Also, uh, this is an R-rated episode. <laughs> I told Ani we keep it PG-13. She was like, you got it. And then said fuck like 18 times in the first like eight minutes. Um, I'm teasing. But uh, I was like, you know, we'll just make it R-rated. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so this is an R-rated episode. So this is mature content. But again, uh, very worth your listen. And I hope you'll, you'll, give, us, you'll give us a shot here. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And, you know, we hope you all are safe out there. All right, let's get into the episode. 
And joining me for the first time ever, hopefully not the last, we'll see, is is uh, my new friend, Ani Baker. Ani, how you doing today? Hi, I am, I'm feeling many things today, but I feel okay in this moment. I feel distracted from the woes of the world by talking to you, so that's good. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. Um, <laughs> so, Ani, to use a, uh, a uh, comic book term... Uh, can you give us a little bit of your secret origin? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, gosh, only child, uh, abusive family unit, mm. young divorce, uh, oh. mother who then found Christ. So born again, Christian mother, um, who also, had let's just say a flurry of a flurry of things going on inside of her heart and head Mm -hmm. and so sort of weaponized her brand of born again christianity um and locked me in a cage i i mean the quickest way i like to tell people about my childhood is that i was raised in a bunker like kimmy schmidt um because i was and the older i got the stricter my mother got and it was honestly sort of like she just was the puppet master Mm. she was the puppeteer and i was the puppet and i wasn't allowed to make any of my own decisions and i was like hyper controlled and disciplined like on a daily basis for disobeying or talking back or having my own opinion um and then until i stayed in that environment uh like to the point where i'm 17 and i'm calling my mom and being like i want to buy this shirt like it's seventeen ninety nine. Do you think that's a good idea? It's just like so codependent and enmeshed. And then I, I got kicked out around, I think I was 21 for watching VHS, uh, VHS, VH1 <laughs> on a Sunday. Um, and then I basically began my journey into adulthood and away from like just a lot of trauma and stuff. But I don't know. Is that is that the kind of answer you were looking for? That was uh, much more than I was looking for, but uh, okay, but, right. but I okay. but I appreciate it. it. Gives our our listeners a a good uh, a good insight into uh, probably what we're uh, definitely what we're going to be talking about here. Um, so I I reached out to you because uh, I was a fan of your um, Deliver Us from Disney podcast. Um, and for those of you who who aren't familiar with it, it's uh, Ani and and Whitney Moore, uh, who used to be on DC Daily, uh, hashtag Save DC Daily, um, <laughs> where they they talk about different Disney movies that Ani was not allowed to watch as a child, and um, and you rate it based on how satanic it is, on how <laughs> satanic right. your mother would have considered it to be, which I found very right. entertaining. But I also found your your stories that you were telling very entertaining, um, in a in a sense, um, to think, wow, like this person really went through some shit, and has kind of come out of it a, a stronger woman, um, mm. which I think I I wish more people would do. Um, mm. I have a friend of mine who was in an abusive relationship. And we could never really... This is back when I lived in North Carolina. Uh, I'm in Pennsylvania now. Uh, we, There were friends of ours that we were just sort of like... 
when she got engaged to this guy, I straight up told her, I was like, I never thought you'd say yes. And she was like, well, we've been together for two years. And I was like, yeah, two years, another 50, that's the same thing. And and then it, uh, after I left North Carolina, it turned into, it was, I, 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 assume, I would assume, much worse than it was. And they ended up breaking up. She ended up leaving him and ended up realizing she, at the very least, was bisexual. And was with someone that, and she's much happier now. And I've told her a thousand times, I was like, I'm so proud of you for moving out of there and realizing how toxic that relationship was and moving on with your life. Uh, It's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's no, it's so easy to stay in the toxic relationship. Even in your case, it's your mother you're in this toxic relationship with and getting out of there is, I mean, I mean, hard isn't even the right word, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so you being, so what, um, what exactly is being born again, uh, being born again, Christian, what exactly does that mean? So I'm not born again because I was raised in Christianity. People who find Christianity later in life go through a process of giving their hearts to the Lord and then they are deemed born again. Wow, this is a new birth for you. This is a new start for you. This is a new life for you. They give you, I mean, my church literally gave birth certificates away, like born again birth certificates. So like you had your birthday, but then you had your Christian birthday and I... I actually, even though I was raised in Christianity, I did still get one of those because there was something when I was like 14 where I really made the decision for myself, obviously under my mother's guidance and, you know, heavy suggestions, but I made the decision for myself and I chose to be baptized in the church. And so I got a little birth certificate of my like... I guess born again date, but I'm not born again. That's that was a misuse of the term. But it's just people who find Christianity later in life. And what what is interesting about born again Christians is that I'm going to speak in general terms, but they are generally a lot more gung ho and really married to the letter of the law of Christianity because a lot of born again Christians find religion because they've hit some sort of rock bottom and Mm. they need a lot of structure and they like to have rules that they can abide by with outcomes attached to them that are promised, you know? So born again, Christians tend to be more extreme in some ways. And that was definitely the case for, for my mom. I see. Um, what was, if you don't mind me asking, um, what was it that, made your mother want to become born again or do you know you know i do i know a lot about my mom's sort of search for happiness Mm -hmm. um and her trouble finding peace and happiness in her life and i've really had to i know this because i've had to since leaving home and leaving leaving christianity just because it doesn't work for me personally. I'm still a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have my relationship with my version of God. Absolutely. But I don't subscribe to the doctrine of Christianity anymore. Um, but I, I understand why it works for her. She came from a household with, she had, uh, 
an absent, well, her father cheated on her mother, mm. um, left her mom, started a new family. He was an alcoholic and, and an abuser in various ways. Her mom was working three jobs to take care of two twin girls. My mom is a twin. Uh, another daughter who had schizophrenia mm. and was showing signs of schizophrenia in her early teens. So my mom was coming from volatile environment to volatile environment. Um, her dad committed suicide when she was in her teens because he got lung cancer and just didn't want to write it out. Um, and then my mom didn't really, she wasn't very much of an out of the box thinker. She didn't really have passions or goals. She was a simple lady. And so she got a job, you know, she bought her own car. She started selling Mary Kay and she fell in love with my dad and they got married. And my dad is very um, mentally stunted and I could say ill and abusive, unfortunately. Mm. And so it was one bad environment to another. And it, I, they had me um, under not the best circumstances. Um, it wasn't really even a mutual decision. There was already a lot of abuse going on between them. And he basically, like, once she got pregnant with me, I don't know, I guess he, like, emotionally abandoned her. Hmm. And so then it became, her whole life became about me. Um, but also she was really depressed. Like, she tells me that she used to pray every night, even before she was a Christian, but just she understood the idea of prayer. She would just pray that she wouldn't have to wake up in the morning. Like, she just wasn't a happy person. She was very depressed. Rightfully so. I mean, it makes sense. And then her neighbor, when I was three years old, invited her to church. And I mean, the rest is history, as they say. It made so, it was perfect for her. It was, here is one book, and this book has all of the answers. You do not have to search anymore. And she, she subscribed to fundamentalist, biblical, literalist Christianity. That was what was being sold at this church she was invited to, mm. which basically is like, you give your heart to the Lord, your suffering is over, you are made whole, you are made perfect, once again, in the eyes of the Lord. Your entire purpose is determined for you because your purpose is now living for the Lord and bringing other people to the Lord. It answers all your questions. It purports to fix all your problems. And I think if you have a certain type of brain, that is you're like fucking great a one-stop shop like it just really worked for her you know um it really worked for her <laughs> it, um it's very it's it's so scary to hear that it put in that way um because and and again and and we want to say this off the bat and ani and i talked about this before we were recording we're not at all talking talking down to anyone who is religious, who does love God. Um, you know, Ani, you know, you just said you're you're still very spiritual. I uh, I would say that yeah. I am as well. I was raised Catholic, so you know, I didn't go through nearly what you went through. You know, the joke I always make is I was raised Catholic. They didn't get me. They didn't get me. <laughs> all the priests I knew were nice guys. Um but uh unless 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 I do acid one day, and then I'll remember some remember some shit. Yeah, maybe you blocked it out. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! We'll find out um, on the next episode of Four Comic Junkies podcast. <laughs> JJ does acid anyway. Uh, 
but it's it's very in that sense it's very it's very cult like isn't it um you know um i've watched a couple episodes of the vow on hbo max or are you familiar oh, with yeah. that yeah okay so like nexium uh which you know um allison mack from smallville very famously was a part of um which is sad because this was a, a woman with very low self-esteem and was given this promise of hey well you can be in this environment we'll take care of you and you'll be helping to save the world in a way and and she went with it she did anything keith rainier or however the hell you say his name you know who cares he's an asshole um <laughs> she did anything and anything he wanted and unfortunately with christianity with you know being what what you're describing this church that your mother went into it's very similar where people are just told hey we have all the answers and your mother being so low in her life yes no wonder she said yes who the hell wouldn't totally who the hell wouldn't i mean to go from feeling like you don't understand anything and you have no control over anything to being sold a thought process that tells you now this other being is in control of everything with your benefit in at the forefront of its almighty mind. And you literally never have to worry about anything again. Like what a great infomercial for the best product ever. Like I completely get why she bought it. And I'm glad that you brought up the disclaimer and I think that's important. And it's actually something I don't do enough and I want to start doing more Mm. because my anger is with, is, has so much to do with my mother and the type of Christianity that she force fed to me because I went to a church with people who believe the same things. And it wasn't like all of the mothers in that church behaved the same way that she did. So I've actually had to do a lot of work separating what Christianity is and what it isn't and what, what of what of it what of my anger has to do with christianity and how much of it has to do with just the personality type and the type of 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 person my mom is so i'm glad you said that because i understand the positive benefits of of the message of jesus christ the human being right Mm -hmm. um i think there is inherently undeniably um objectively a lot of issues with christianity that just have to do with like the bible that cause a lot of pain uh for a lot of people yes you know, and that's something else that, that that's, you know, important, I think, to talk about. But I also know people who self-proclaim as Christians that are open-minded and loving and compassionate and not racist and not white supremacist. So, you know, I thank you for that. We will be talking about my specific experience, which was an example of Christian extremism. Um honestly, a lot of abuse and narcissism disguised as Christianity Mm -hmm. and um, biblical literalism, which is also a very specific thing, you know. Uh, Totally. And it's, there's a danger in that with the idea that this, this was a book that was written 2000 years ago (laughs) um, by men who are long gone. um, And and it's strange to me the the literalism as you, as you put it that people that people use with it when it's like listen you know if you were really paying attention with this book Jesus went out of his way to love people to love people who um 
you know, were seen as either, like, they were shunned by society, like Mary Magdalene, or or whatever, it's like, so how dare you use these teachings for your own personal agenda? You're doing it wrong, you know? That that, that old, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what was it, a Geico commercial or whatever, it's like, that's not how this works, that's not how any of this works, you you know what I'm talking about? Um, And it's just... Yes. And I remember being younger... And I, I didn't have nearly as, as a, you know, horrible experience as you did. Um, but but growing up Catholic and, and seeing, I remember, you know, talking to friends of mine and being like, you know, the concept of hell doesn't make any sense to me. We have an all-loving, all-forgiving God and there's a place where he doesn't exist. And, and you burn for all of eternity. Also, you burn for all of eternity sort of like what what ever level of sinner you are also you burn for all of eternity like you know fucking like charles manson is down there with i don't know the bully at school or like or charles manson is down there with like the girl who just never adhered to christianity that was another thing too it's just like you either accept that there is this one truth that really is alive for the most part in america for white people and and you 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 believe that everybody else who doesn't believe this one thing goes to hell. Yeah. You know, it's just like, how, how is that your, I remember my mom used to remind me all the time. God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God. He wants to be worshiped by you. He is the one and only. And I thought like, what a weird, that even was like a weird trait to imbue this almighty, all loving being with was like this intense jealousy. Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't make any sense because, uh, like, like we're an all-powerful, all-smighty God, you know? <laughs> it's just another thing. Like, yeah. okay, so everybody's out of line, so we're just going to flood the whole earth. And I'm, yeah. and, but you, you build yeah. an ark and two of every animal. Uh, it's like, and your family yeah. is spared. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's just, all right. Yeah. Uh, good, good for you. Um, totally. But it, it's... Totally. It, it, so there's a lot of it that, you know, when, when you know, you have to... And the way a lot of, especially Catholics, try to rationalize is like, well, these are stories that were told that, you know, you can interpret any other way. But then when you get into, like, your, the way your mother, your side of things does it, it's like, no, no, Adam and Eve, they were the first two humans, and that was it. And it's like... That it's like, yeah, but like, uh, there's a play, and it was made into a movie. I, I, oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, my theater teacher was in it in high school, um, where you know there, it's the 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 one teacher is trying to teach Darwinism at school, and he's attacked by all these fundamentalists, and they're put on trial. And uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I can't remember. No, the, I can't remember the name of it. But, uh, so the, so he's on, so the, this lawyer who's super fundamentalist is on trial. And so the other lawyer is, is prosecuting him. And he's like, um, he's like, all right, so Adam and Eve, first two people. He's like, yes. He's like, they had two sons, Cain and Abel. It's like, yes. And then he's saying like, you know, and then, you know, uh, Cain was approached by so-and-so and he's like, who the hell is this person? And where do they come from? There's only four people <laughs> on the earth. That's great. I should have. I, I should have looked um, it up before we started. I mean, no, that's great. I'm gonna look it up now, though, because I want to see that, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have had those types of conversations with my parents many times. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, let's just talk about the beat by beat logic of this. And once you get to a point that cannot be explained with logic, that's when they just go, well, that's beat. that's God's power. God can do anything. And they just, that's, they just throw that back at you. It's a catch all. And you're just like, it's like Trump's fake news thing. It's a fucking catch all. Sorry. And what are you supposed to do about it? You know, so um, this would be an R-rated remember... episode, by the way, because you said fuck a bunch <laughs> I'm of sorry. times. So it's OK. It's Triple OK. X. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, I remember uh, to play into the R rating uh, a little more when I first got my period. Oh, Whoa, wow. Watch out. I remember <laughs> asking my mom, why am I getting cramps like this hurts? And and I want to know why. And do you know what she said to me? What? Because Eve sinned. Oh. And she well, said, obviously. when you she said, when you die and you go to heaven, you can take it up with Eve. And I was a kid, I was like, I don't remember when I got my period. I was like maybe fourteen or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, When I get to heaven, I'm gonna jump Eve and my mom laughing <laughs> so hard. And she told that story over and over again. That became the focal point. The story was that, like, I said I was going to jump Eve when I got to heaven. I remember she used to tell the anecdote and everyone would laugh. And when I think back on that story now as an adult, the focal point of the story has shifted to the fact that I asked my mom why my body was having cramps. And she said, because Eve sinned. And then it's just like another example of the Bible for her was not only a book that explained like how the universe was created and what, how we should live our lives and like what we should believe. But it was also like a medical journal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's science. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's funny. You say, I should have known the answer because I have literally said that to uh, my, my ex, uh, who's the mother of my child. Okay. So she, you know, I was like, how you doing? She's like, uh, oh, you know, not doing great. You know, that time of the month. And I was like, Shouldn't have fucking eaten that apple. <laughs> and, uh, and she, I mean, here's the thing. It's funny as a joke. It's funny as a joke. Yes. But. Right. <laughs> when when it's literal science, it doesn't quite add up. Um, when you go to the doctor and you say, doctor, please tell me why. And the doctor's like, regenesis or whatever that's when it's that's when it gets scary which i feel like that's where this country is going oh let's not talk about it let's not talk about that yeah that that's scary as of this recording we're 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 like 12 hours from the polls closing we're 24 Ugh. hours from the polls closing um Ugh. so we'll see we'll see what happens um well, that's but that's something i i wanted to ask you you being so indoctrinated if that's the right word um, indoctrinated, whatever. Indoctrinated. There yeah, we go. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know words. Um, <laughs> um, for so long in your life, what is it about Trump that so many quote unquote Christians can that, that latch onto and say, this is our guy, this is our second coming or whatever that, I mean, nobody's really said that, but it's how they act. You know what I mean? So I'm so glad you asked that. I have an answer. I have searched for that answer as well. Even though I did, I was raised. So I have four parents. Both my they're divorced and they're both remarried. All four of them are like super pro Trump, like mm. bumper stickers, Trump memorabilia, um, stepmom posts, pro Trump 
like memes on her Facebook all day, every day and Mm. has since 2016. So I'm very well versed in this mindset. It is as simple as him using the right language Mm. and labeling himself a Christian. They do not know how to see beyond the label. So for instance, when I was young, my mom chose my friends based on whether or not they were Christian, quote unquote, air quotes, right? So if they went to church with their family and called themselves a Christian, that person was 100% vetted and I was allowed to go out with that person, stay out late with that person, do whatever I wanted. If my friend didn't go to church and didn't call themselves a Christian, banned. Not hanging out with them, not going to their house, don't trust them. Well, guess what? All of my Christian friends, we were fucking jerking each other off and, like, <laughs> drinking. Like, no, we were kids like anyone else is. Yeah. But they they just they just need to know. So with the, the brand of Christianity I was raised in, it is so fear-based. Mm-hmm. These people are running from so many things that they're afraid of. And they need to know who their people are because they've also been really hurt by a lot of people in their life. Sure. With the brand of Christianity I was raised in, I went to a church full of wounded victims in a lot of ways. Like, people were recovering from real shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so they... they. I lost my chain of thought. Christians vetted into your... As your friends. Yeah. So it's just the label. It's just the label. So Trump knew, and you know that quote that ended up being, turning out to be fake, but when he was like, if you, if I wanted to win, I'd run as a, a Republican because those people will like leave anything or whatever it was he said. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't say that, but that is his strategy because you just use the right language and you label yourself a Christian and you label yourself chosen by God. And all logic goes out the window. It's the same type of thing with when you're debating, I don't know, biblical literalism. All logic goes out the window because it's just all you give it up to the Almighty. So these people are looking for people who label themselves that way to understand who's safe. I think that they've also, like, specifically the type of Christians I was raised around, they're all abuse victims. So they've been abused. And mm. so they're they're used to being scrambled and not really understanding, like, who they can trust and who they can't. So they just need you to tell them that this person reads the same book and believes the same things. And they just are like, oh, thank God. And so because he did that, because he, you know, he chose to run as a Republican and then played into the the Christian, like very conservative right type thing. It was just those people were primed for the picking. Um, there's because it's just they're they're it doesn't take a lot of thought. It's like that's that's all it really takes. It's the same thing that Kanye West is doing. Like, I really think he's seeing how that broadened Trump's base. And so he's like, oh, Christians. Okay, me too. Because Trump, before this, did he have any act? Like, was there any glimmer of faith, religion, Christianity, um, going to church? No, there wasn't. Same with Kanye West. Mm -hmm. They're using it as a tactic to gain power. Because they know that all they have to do is label themselves. Yeah. Well, that's... You hit the nail on the head there, I think. <laughs> um, what... How... Oh, my gosh. It's so great 
and refreshing to to talk to you about these things because it's it's stuff that uh, the circle of friends I have now um, aren't you know they they weren't I'm sort of away from like the the Catholics I was raised with you know what I mean uh, like in grade school and high school and everything um, except for a couple um, and again great people that I love very much. Um, but at the same time, something as simple as, um, like sex, for example, you know, it's like, if you have sex outside of marriage, that's a sin. So my girlfriend and I, when we were in high school, we were experimenting with each other and it just was, and we always felt kind of guilty afterwards. Like, okay, well now we need to go to church. Now we need to pray for forgiveness. And I had that thought in my head. I had to kind of justify it to myself. Like, well, it's okay because I'm in love with this person. So if we have sex, it's okay because I'm in love with her. Um, it's, it's stuff like that that it, it got to the point where eventually it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, wait, why is this, why is this bad? Why, am I, why do I feel bad about this? There's nothing wrong with wanting to have sex. If, quote unquote, boys will be boys, right? And I don't mean that in like the sexual abuse terms. I mean that in terms of like... Stereotypically, but but also sort of being raised to think that boys are going to think about it a lot, but women aren't. And I joked with a friend of mine where I was like, we were raised on like, like TGIF, right? So like home improvement or, or, uh, uh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Uh, like Seinfeld or whatever. It's like that all the guys are dumb, horny or, or not, not Seinfeld, um, home improvement or everybody loves Raymond, right? So it's like the dads are these dumb, horny idiots and the moms are kind of prudes. So it's like, yeah, it was like this revelation to me. <laughs> Wait, yeah. women who want to have sex aren't sluts. They're just human beings, yeah. just like I'm a human being. And that took a long time to get that. How that- did you get there on your own? Because I did. I never got there when while I was still a Christian, I never escaped the guilt. So most of my guilt was around lust. Because I felt like I didn't have any other desires that went against, like, the Ten Commandments. Like, I had, like, a fucking... I had a necklace of the Ten Commandments, like, scrolls, little uh, silver scrolls. And on each scroll was written a full commandment. Like, it was engraved. I wore this around my neck, okay? Mm -hmm. The only sin I felt myself constantly succumbing to was lust because I started to be a human being. My body started to turn on. I became sexually interested in people. And I felt so badly about it. I woke up in the morning feeling guilty and I went to sleep. I was taught a prayer acronym, P-A-R-Y, praise, repent, ask, yield. So every night before you go to bed, you do all four of those things. Mm. The second one is repent. So every single day of my life, I was thinking, what am I sorry for? And if I didn't do something blatant, which I heart never did, I... I was a really good, by all intents and purposes, a good kid. Yeah. Um, but I would find things to apologize for. Do you, even in the comfort of my own room, in the in my own head, I would look for like ways I was wrong, you know, and apologizing. And the lust factor was the thing that I felt the worst about. I, I felt like I couldn't escape because I felt like I didn't have control over it. But for whatever reason, the devil had control of me and I was interested in sexuality. And I never, like, I had to, not only did I have to get kicked out of the house, continue my Christian journey, start reading about 
other belief systems and other ways of thinking and slowly step away and then sort of begin to do work on that stuff. There was no, no part of me that was able to come to that while still existing within a religious mindset. So how did you do that? Um, that that's a really good question. And I'm sort of realizing it as you're talking, as I'm thinking about my answer, which is that I didn't go to church for the longest time. Um, uh. When I moved to North Carolina, I was 20 years old. Um, so I just, I had to work two jobs just to make ends meet because believe it or not, you know, making 900 bucks a month is not enough to uh, <laughs> pay your <laughs> pay your fucking rent or whatever. Um, so I was like, so I didn't have the time to go to church anymore. Um, so I, I would kind of reflect on things and even just meeting people who had never been Catholic, maybe were Christian of some sort, not a lot of Catholics in North Carolina, as I'm sure you, <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine. Um, but just sort of going like, wait a minute, like, it's okay that I feel this way. It's okay that I feel this way because other people feel mm. this way, but also struggling with that going, well, just cause mm. they, they feel it doesn't mean it's okay that I feel it. And then it was just, it was a long time being away from all that going, okay, like, I, I get it now. I, I, I get, um, ow, okay, I had to move my hand. Um, <laughs> um, I, I get that there's, that there's other ways of thinking and, and it boiled down to this, this religion that I believed and I almost devoted my life to was just a way yeah. of controlling me, a way of telling me what to think. And yeah. like, what's, what's wrong with just wanting to have sex with somebody? Because guess yeah. what? If you're both consenting and you're doing it, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. Um, right. and if, if you're, and if you're just like, okay, that's it. See you later. Cause again, that was something I struggled with going, well, like, you know, I'm feeling guilty for having those thoughts and yeah. it, and it's still there just a little bit still there. Just like, shouldn't be thinking that shouldn't be doing that, you know? And, and I, and I say all the time, thank God for therapy. Like yeah. you, you know, I, I encourage my friends. I'm like, go to the doctor every year, get your physical, get blood work done because you never know what's creeping up in your body. You know, like my cholesterol's up. So I have to go exercise Again, um, but like seriously, I, I like exercising, so that'll be so. I'm excited to do that again. I'm just not excited for the whole giving up fast food thing. Um, but, oh, I know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's also like your mental health needs that too. And for the longest time, I, I feel it's not as much of a stigma as it used to be, but there's there still is a little bit of a stigma like, oh, you go to therapy, oh. And because I had a coworker who's about 10 years older than me, she said that she was like, Hey, I go to therapy, nothing to be ashamed about. And I was like, I'm not ashamed of it. Like I needed it. Um, you know, and I, the, the therapist I have now, I, we did six weeks in a row. My life literally was changed. And, and it's like, and and the ironic thing is that he's actually a Christian counselor, but but he's also not shoving Bible quotes and stuff down my throat. Um, he's very much just like, your mind needs help, and I'm here to help you with, you know, what's going on with you. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. Some, it's something that 
people don't understand, like, oh, well, therapy costs money. It's like, not that much, you know? Um, so my thing, so I was talking about this the other day. It's interesting. Um, mental illness is a big term, right? And yeah. when, we, when we label people as being mentally ill, it's like, it, it, it's. and physical wellness like Mm -hmm. let's say you know you're talking about giving up fast food coming up now yeah when you start to do that because i've gone through cycles with food for my entire life Mm um i was honestly raised to have an eating disorder that's something that i've realized recently oh ordered eating and I have body dysmorphia and I also have purity culture stuff so like Mm. there's like a lot of stuff I'm working through but what I've noticed is yeah when I start eating cleaner my mental wellness I feel better mentally when I'm going outside and I'm working on every day I feel better mentally I have fewer I'm useless thoughts I have fewer what the fuck does my voice matter thoughts I I can feel the effects of my choices on my mental health on a daily basis. And therapy is a huge component of that too. And I think like we need to talk about mental illness and mental health in way more accessible, I don't know, normal and fluid terms because we're all operating at levels of physical and mental health that for us, are you know good enough or not good enough and and we all are impacted by our mental health Mm -hmm. and so if that's true and therapy talk therapy is a proven way of in is a proven way of improving you know or adding to or benefiting your mental health there should be no stigma around it in the same way, like you're saying that there is no stigma about going to the doctor. There's stigma now about not going to the doctor. Oh, you don't take care of yourself. You don't get yearly physicals. You don't go to the gynecologist. You don't go to the dentist. You don't get checkups. There's stigma around not taking care of your physical body. Yep. So why is there, why is there stigma around taking care of your brain which operates your physical body. It's just, it's a disconnect for most people. Um, it's just yep. so silly that there's even that stigma at all. Well, I, I don't go to the gynecologist. Uh, so I, <laughs> well, you should be ashamed of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, I know. Um, but there's, I, it, it took, I remember being in, uh, when I was in high school and, there was a friend of mine that was uh, dating some girl and heard a rumor that they had had sex a lot. And I was like, oh man, she's kind of a slut, isn't she? And I remember saying that. But, and now looking back on it, feeling so guilty that I thought that about her, but not about him. Not about him, yep. And the idea idea of, uh, and and I apologize to her because she found out that I said those things. So I went up to her and I was like, I, I was being a jerk. I'm sorry. And because and, I was, because I understood that I was being mean for no reason. 
Like, because first and foremost, I understood it. At, le- at the very least, I understood there was none of my business what they were doing. Um, but at the same time, it, it, you know, the, the term toxic masculinity didn't mean anything to me for the longest time. You know, yeah. the, the term gaslighting, the term white privilege, those terms didn't mean anything to me until yeah. very recently, if I'm being perfectly honest, because I kept yeah. thinking, well, those aren't real. Those are just made up ways of making people feel bad. Right. Um, when it's like, I look back on it, it's funny because there's a line in uh, uh, Superman 3, the again, tying this somewhat to comic books, uh, <laughs> uh, where the, the main villain, he's... He's got his two hench girls, and he goes, he, he goes, eyes open, mouths closed. And my friend was like, he's like, that's some damn toxic masculinity right there. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of joking about it, but I was like, no, but it is. <laughs> it's, but yeah. It's, it's, the, yeah. it's this male figure in authority talking down to women. And, and again, the idea of mansplaining, it, it just a lot of stuff I was just like, I, I remember just being sort of that, that I was that dickhead that was like, that they're just trying to make men feel bad about stuff they do and looking at it and going, but, but that's a bad thing. I grew up around, like, I love my dad very much, but I grew up around, you know, a very emotionless person who didn't, yeah. um, I, I've never seen him cry. Um, yeah. and like, I've seen, I've seen him almost cry a couple times, times he should have. Um, yeah. But times he wanted to, times he needed to. Yeah. And because he was raised in a very like macho man world. And, but like, I grew up so feeling so different from him, you know, like I don't, I'm not into sports. Um, I'm much more sensitive than he is. Um, and it's just, and I remember just feeling so like awkward around him, like, I was like, if you, thinking to myself, if you weren't my dad, I don't think we'd be friends. Like, we wouldn't know each other. I wouldn't that speak to you. That is have constantly. And yeah. It's, it's a sad thing, especially seeing other friends of mine that have um, great relationships with their dads. And yeah. I just, and I feel, and I, tr- and I, for the longest time, because those are your parents, right? In your case, it's your mother. These are, these are the people you know. They, they have all the answers, right? Um, and side, side story, just as a joke, I remember like my dad was the tallest man in the world. Right. Um, except for, except for one day when I saw someone taller than him, I was maybe like eight or nine. And I was like, I was like, dad, that guy's taller than you. And he was like, a lot of people are taller than me. And so I, pr- like, what? I probably killed his spirits at that moment. <laughs> um, so I'm short because he's short. So thanks for that, dad. Um, and my daughter will be short. But that's also because of her mother, so it's both our faults. Um, but anyway, um, it, it I I just always felt like, man, like we don't we don't have anything in common, do we? Like we look alike, right? Yeah. And it's just it. And then I felt, yeah. and again, like these are the people you're supposed to look up to. They they have all the answers. So when I look at this person and I don't, and I don't understand why we don't have this connection. It I. I feel bad. I yeah. feel like I did something wrong, you know? Yes. And that's... Yes, I do know. Yeah, I, yeah, I knew you would. And I, <laughs> and we're going yeah. all over the place with this. Well, and something that I've come to... Well, some t- 
something no i hear you loud and clear and it all makes complete sense to me something that i've come to recently is that that feeling is emotional and it doesn't have to be logical because you Mm -hmm. can do all of your logic around it of like, well, I wouldn't choose to be this person's friend. And if we were just, let's say we were in school together at the same age, like we don't have anything in common. Like we, you know, we, we wouldn't hang out. I wouldn't care about her opinion. So I, why do I care about her opinion? Then you know, I don't actually respect care. It's biological. It's emotional and it's not logical. And so, you know, I think you can do all of the thinking and the mental gymnastics that you possibly can. And I think that you should. And anybody listening to this, too, like do those mental gymnastics to survive the familial ties that you have been given, you know, do it. But don't guilt yourself for still being hurt by it. And I'm saying this to myself, too, because this is something I'm trying to, like, let go of. But I get very angry at myself for still being emotionally affected by my parents because I get it. I've got their number. I've done the work. I've been working actively on this stuff for 10 straight years now. And I still get emotionally leveled by it. I can get taken out for a week at a time by one of these toxic interactions I have with the people who brought me into this world. And that's just the design. You know, we are interconnected. We're human beings. We were, you know, you are of your father's loin, you know, and like (laughs) I'm of my mother's womb. Like it's just nature. And, and I get it. And also as often as you can just remind yourself that, the painful aspect of it sort of just like can't be eliminated from your human experience. It's, it's, it's true because it's the, and how often in our daily lives does emotion trump logic, right? Where right. It, it's just, and um, me going through depression, you know, I, I think you have also gone through it. Um, oh, just, yeah. just having that, or, or anxiety or whatever, just having that, like, that thought of, you know, well, they're, you know, like you were saying before, like, am I good enough? Is my voice being heard? Um, and just having that, that, that stupid thought that's just this random chemical in your brain just trying to trick you in a way. And you having yeah. that, that horrible experience and then just sometimes, and sometimes it's fleeting. Like, you'll just, like, you know what? I just need to eat some lunch and I'll be okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. my, my family's notorious for being hangry. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes you're just going to, like, lay in your bed and just go, nobody's going to care if I get out of bed. And it's, and it's sad to think that. And it's sad to think that people are just going to look at you that there are people in your life that'll just go, well, they're just being lazy. Like, just, what do you, what are you sad about? Get over it. You know? And, uh, I was, I was talking about this the other day, Uh, a friend of mine who just got engaged, uh, very happy for her. She, um, I remember years and years ago, she posted something on Facebook about being like super duper tired, um, about something. And one of her, I, I think it was like a family member that was like, girl, you're like 23. What do you have to be tired about? And it's like, and I felt so bad for her. And she like, was like, 
I'm in school full-time, I work two jobs, like, she's, like, making something of herself, and, and I'm so glad that she did, um, actually kind of like you, uh, you were, uh, well, you were a special ed teacher? Yeah, yeah. okay, so she, she was too, um, oh. and it's, and, and I admire that, because I worked, uh, with mentally handicapped, uh, a couple years ago, and it was, it was actually one of the worst jobs I ever had because oh no just because I think that the I felt like the company I didn't mind the clients but doesn't if, care about the kids yeah and it's it's awful yeah and it's yeah it's like I remember saying uh, actually well I worked with adults um, and I remember saying okay. to a friend of mine I was like we need to take my client to the hospital something's wrong with him and mm. and I said that to a supervisor who's a friend of mine is still a good friend of mine um, and he was like, he was like, you know, well, we got to clear it with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And I firmly believe that if it had not been for me pushing for to him to go to the hospital, he would be dead. And it's like, I spend 40 hours a week with him. I fucking know when there's something wrong. Like, yeah. this isn't just a cry yeah. for attention. Yeah. He's not that kind of client. Something's yeah. wrong. And he spent, wow. he spent six weeks in the hospital. Wow, he's so lucky to have you because I'm sure you're right. I um, have limited interaction with sort of companies like this that exist outside of the school district but offer support to children and adults. How old was he? Uh, 35 at the time, I think. Okay. And unfortunately, I mean, that's one of the big reasons that I left the school system is just like, I can't be here for the kids if you're not enabling me to be here for the kids. Yes. Like, you've got to set me up for success so that I can set them up for success because I went the first three years without having any curriculum at all. The first one year, my first year teaching, I had to print out all of my curriculum at every grade level because special ed teachers have several grade levels in one class mm -hmm. and it's like I had to beg for books I got scraps from the leftovers in the teacher's lounge and I had to buy purchase and download and print out curriculum for the entire first year it's like is that a program that really cares about the kids education no no you know it's like and then the second year I got um the the I think the campus adopted like gen ed curriculum and I got some leftovers from that still didn't have my own curriculum because I was teaching students with special needs they need a different type of curriculum then like third year we adopted some special ed curriculum and even that I wasn't given enough supplies for all of the kids at every level and it's just like that's the most glaring example of this program does not exist for students it exists for money-making purposes mm -hmm. and test scores, um, you know, feed into how much money we're allowed to make. So kids with special needs aren't even on the radar of, like, the principal or the school system because they're not increasing test scores. And it's just a, it's a, it's a really forgotten community of students, and it just made me too sick to be a part of it after a while. Um, so I feel your pain and also, you know thank you for that work that you did because you did save that guy's life. Yeah. It, it's, and it, it sounds so like, and I try not to, Jesus, that's like a whole like <laughs> water cooler thing of water you have there. This is, I just keep this 
straight. It's just easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I wish you all could have seen that. Ani leans back and just takes out this jug of water, and it's just like, hang on, I got six gallons. I'm going through. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that that is good. That that's also important for your mental health. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yes. And, and physical health. Um, and, and that's and the other thing that, that annoys me about like companies like that, the school you're talking about, is that they can say all day that they're doing, quote unquote, the work of the Lord. Hey, we're doing good here. We're taking care of people. And then you get into the company and you go, the fuck you aren't, you know, no, you're not. It, yeah. you, you're you're just doing a job, you know, versus doing a vocation. Yes. And it's and it's yes. heart, it's heartbreaking to see that. It's heartbreaking to see that with yeah. within Christianity, within I'm sure other religions have it as well, where there's just sort of a by the numbers sort of bit to it. Um and it's like Yeah. Um I I had I had a fight at work the other day with a guy who I told to wear a mask. And he's like, I'm not he's like, No, I I don't have to. And I'm mm. like, I'm like, bro, just do it. He's like, I want to talk to a manager. I was like, I was like, yo, yo, he won't wear a mask. And <laughs> I just, I didn't even, I didn't give a shit at that point. I'm just like, like, you know, I have a kid, you know, um, our, our staff here, they all, have, most of them have kids. We're not, I'm not, I don't know what you, what you've done. I know what they've done. So if I'm unmasked around them, I don't care. But if I'm unmasked around you, I don't know you. And you want to guess what kind of car he was driving? It, it had Jesus saves all over it. He's a big Bible thumper, you know, pro-life. Um, and it's just like, and it's just like, dude, you are, how dare, how fucking dare you say you're pro-life? I know. You're, you're not going to wear a mask and you're going to do this I shit. I know. But, you know, I remember, because I was raised, obviously, like, abortion is murder. We used to do, like, anti-abortion protests. We used to have... Mm. ...how big the fetuses were at each stage of abortion, just so you could really see that you were killing a baby, right? Mm. All that stuff. And, you know, it's it seems so simple, like you were saying at the beginning, like, you don't kill babies, that's murder, like, no further questions, your honor type thing, right? Yeah, right. But then when you really start to be educated or educate yourself on all of the reasons why women need abortions, and also the negative impact of bringing an unwanted child into the world for that child and for that mother, and then also being educated about the that you deserve anything you think that you deserve equal rights you think that we're going to treat you like a citizen that those thoughts are really helpful like those truths let's say are really helpful to know but I had to be taught those things. Those weren't, you know, that wasn't awareness that I came to on my own. Right. And so that type of education is really, really important because before I was educated on those things, I absolutely was just pro-life yep. because of the way it's packaged and sold to you. 
killing babies bad okay sure what kind of monster is gonna argue with that that's all you know we indoctrinate kids real young oh yeah real young i would be interested actually to to ask kids to just do a little experiment where i ask kids what's abortion and what do you think of it i'd be really curious to hear you know like an eight-year-old who has really been educated on the topic like well it's a thing that a lot of women need to get for medical reasons and to save themselves like i wonder how young kids really are indoctrinated to believe these big sweeping things about life-altering decisions you know um that other people need to make um because those those thought processes really for most people stick with you throughout your life because I think the reality is not a lot of people are really curious Mm. to, to break out of their, what they've been taught to find a new way to expand their mind, to be educated on the lives of other people or to learn about why other people make decisions maybe that they wouldn't themselves make. I just don't, I don't know. That's something I've, I've observed in, in my own journey away from Christianity and into, I think, healthier thought patterns is just a lot. Most people aren't very curious, unfortunately. That's, that's a really good way to put that. I I love that. I love the way you describe that. Um, You know, you, you talking about the, the curiosity of people, uh, makes me think, I think it's a George Carlin joke where he says, if you tell someone there's a big person in the sky looking at everything they do, they don't question it. But if you tell them that the paint is drying on the wall, they gotta feel it just to be sure. Ooh. You know what I'm talking about? Ooh. There... You know, I have not heard that, but that's a great way to encapsulate it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because hmm. there's a... Uh, there's a, you know, like like Conan O'Brien puts it, there's a magical thinking to it that I really like. And yeah. right. And I think that there is some and because to me I'm like there's some truth to this, right? There's some there's something bigger than us, right? There has to be because it doesn't make any sense to me that we just live and then we die. That doesn't make any right. sense. Um right. because then what the hell is my experience? What the hell is your experience? It doesn't, um, and what, what that leads me to say is that I've had many talks lately about this because I've thought about this a lot. Something that I had to talk to, I've talked to my therapist about is people living in their own realities and not living in reality. And everybody has their own reality, right? You and I can watch a movie together. Right. So you and I can watch, let's say, like, we'll watch... Right. totally different experiences. Yes. So we'll go to a museum, we'll watch a movie, we'll, we'll listen to a song, and you'll say, that was the best song I've ever heard in my life, and I'll say, that, that sucked, I never want to hear that song again. And there's nothing wrong with what either of us are saying, because we're having a different experience, we're having our own reality with that. It's just, and I always joke, like, this is where Karens come from, right? You know, this <laughs> idea that, well, you're not you're not living in my reality and I'm going to take so it out. So you're doing it wrong. Yeah. 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 And I, and I hate that there's so much of that these days that there's, I know. there's so much, you know, and, and, you know, to use your mother as an example, um, you, you had said something on, um, uh, on Twitter, I think about how she, you know, was 
sending you all this Trump, all this Trump stuff and you were getting upset. And, and I was like, I hate, I fucking hate when people are, listen, I'm religious. Therefore I automatically have the moral high ground. That's just not right. That's not okay. And it, it breaks my heart that there are people like that. It breaks my heart that you, who, you know, I, I've known just a little bit, and you're such a sweet person, um, but then again, I just know you a little bit, so who knows? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, watch it, buddy. You don't want to see my other side. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that that's the life that you were growing up in. And th- this is a story I, I have not shared very often. Where when I first moved to North Carolina, again, like I said, you know, you can't live off of 900 bucks a month, especially when your rent is 475 a month. So I had to work two jobs. So it took me over a year to figure out a budget because I didn't have any money. And when it came time and then guess what happened? Car breaks down. So that's money I don't have that I'm going to have to spend to fix this car. Now, luckily, uh-huh. luckily it all worked out. I got it fixed for about 180 bucks. That was just, that's where I believe that there's, there's something up there. Somebody was looking after me going, let's give this kid a, a break. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. but, but my dad had to take me to work. We worked in the same office. And so uh, it was my stepmom's birthday. And I was so scared about spending any kinds of money that I didn't buy her a card that year. Like, I was scared to buy, like, a $2 piece of cardboard. I've so been there. And yeah. it, it's it's rough. And yeah. and this is where my dad was living in his own reality, where he picks me up and takes me to work. And I was actually about to tell him, so I met this girl, and I'm kind of excited about it. And before I can get anything out of my mouth, he goes, I can't believe you didn't send her a birthday card. I don't know when I'm going to get over that. And I was like, well... I mean, I, I called her, I, dad, I don't have any money. Like you're driving me to work. And he said, he said, Oh yeah, you called her, right? Big spender. I was like, dad, I have no money. Whatever money I have is going to go to fix this stupid car, which he refused to lend me money for, despite the fact that we're driving in his Cadillac. Um, and he was like, you know, all these years I thought you were, (laughs) he said, all these years I thought you were a good person. Well, horse shit. You're not. And I went to the upstairs, the office upstairs bathroom. I sat in there for a good five to ten minutes crying. Just thinking, wow, my dad hates me. My my dad hates me. And that was my dad living in his reality going, you did this to her. It was wrong. And I'm going to make sure you know it was wrong. And he probably was perpetuating, there was some time in his life that he didn't do something simple and he was labeled as bad because of it. And so he's now regurgitating that onto you. Like, we just perpetuate these patterns. We model what's been modeled to us for whatever reason. He come, you know, maybe his love language is gifts, right? And so if he doesn't receive a gift, he takes it as like a huge blow. Like, oh, you must really not love me. I've been in that situation in my last two relationships because I, look, I was a public school teacher and now I'm not even that. I I have not, I do not come from money. I have not had money. (laughs) And not having money in Los Angeles is really 
hard. It's fucking embarrassing and it's fucking terrifying. And trying to figure out how to support myself without the support of my family as well has been really hard. And I've had to do the same thing where I've either been like, hey, I'll get you on the gift front, but you're going to have to give me like five more days after your birthday or whatever. It always feels like I always know that from the other person's perspective, I seem like selfish and that I don't love them. Mm. And so I always try to do some other thing that doesn't cost money. Like I can't tell you how many like stories or poems or just like (laughs) heartwarming letters I've written to people in lieu of being able to buy them a gift, you know, because like I've gone so many years. And another thing is even when I was a teacher, the holidays are the the time when teachers have – the least amount of money because we've just been throwing parties for our students for the past three months and having to spend, you know, every month you have to spend out of your own pocket for school supplies and for incentives, especially as a special ed teacher. You have to buy a lot of stuff to get that classroom running fluidly, especially when you don't have like (laughs) curriculum and stuff. So at the end of the year, you have the least amount of money. So then, you know, your loved ones just get the shaft. They get the shaft Mm. and it sucks. And you try to compensate, but then some years you just can't because another thing that comes along with like not having money and poverty is panic and constant hustle. Mm. There's not a lot of rest when you're living in poverty. So you don't have a lot of extra time and energy to spend on what can I like, what can I now create out of the nothingness that I live within and give as a gift to my significant other. And also if your significant other has money or at least a little bit more money than you have in some cases you still feel bad by comparison because it's like yeah I can write something to the best of my ability all I want but I'm gonna feel like shit when they give me a gift that they were able to purchase I this is a long-winded way of saying I'm so sorry that your dad said that to you I've been in your position I know how alienating and debilitating it feels and I know how shaming other people can be about it because they act as though it's a selfish decision that you're making. I just want to, like, validate the fact that it's not. I've been there. I know that it's not. And and to hear yourself labeled like that by your dad is awful. And he's wrong. And it was inappropriate. And that was his own pain that he was putting on to you. And I hear you. And he's wrong. I I do appreciate that. And it, it's nice to hear because it took a long time for the rest of my family to kind of be on my side about that. So I remember talking to my sister and being like, can you believe dad said this to me? And she said, well, you got to think of it from his point of view, which and I was like, uh, I don't have to fucking think of anything from his point of view. He just called me a <laughs> yeah. shitty person for not getting a gene, a, a fucking step, a fucking, you know, a birthday card. Hard. You know, yeah. like, I'm sorry, I don't have any money. I'm stressed about my car. Um and then um, it was years later when uh, my sister was getting married and he offered very little support. Gave some good advice, but very little support. Um, and I'm talking both financially and like just support in general. Emotionally. Yeah. yeah. And and I was like, and I just pointed to my sisters and I said, you both owe me a huge apology because now you see what I've been talking about. And they were both like, you're right. Yep, we're sorry. You're you're absolutely right. Um, and it it was it was good to hear that. And and you know it's like for as 
strained as my relationship with my dad could be, um, it's it's better now with distance. I think um, he's still in North Carolina. I'm back in Pennsylvania. Um, it's just we just don't talk very much. Um, but it was nice uh, on his birthday because uh, you know with COVID and everything, he hasn't met my daughter yet. So and also because he's not traveling because he just doesn't travel even though he has the money to that's a whole other thing i'm not gonna get into that but anyway uh so we did a face we did a facetime i was like i was like hey you know here here she is and and then he uh he texted me after which he like never does and he was like that was great i loved that thank you and it was like i was like ah, i got through to him <laughs> um you know having that little moment just as as much as I sort of hate to admit it because of what we're talking about, trying to, you know, sever those familial ties, you can't, and I'm sure you're the same way, you can't help but still love those little validation moments from them, right? It's the hit. It's literally a fucking hit. Like, it's yep. it's like a, you know, I don't want to say it's like a drug because it's not... I don't think it's unhealthy to get that kind of validation from your parents. But I think when you don't get it very often, the times that you do, it hits like a drug. I think that's the best way to explain it because it's, you feel it. It's a rush. It's like, wow, this is good. Like, this is good. I want more of this. And you also become aware of like how much you don't get it. I think too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely understand that and relate to that. It, it's... it's like the smallest thing. I mean, I was even thinking recently, like, it's a whole other thing, because I've I've got my mom and my dad are both extremely complicated, extremely extreme, let's say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> extremely extreme figures. <laughs> they just both are. Sure. They both are. And my dad, I've been thinking lately, like, I would like to elevate my expectations for my dad. And I thought if I were to do that, something I would want from him is to ask me one question when we talk. Mm. That would be a huge improvement because he he talks at me and he doesn't listen and he doesn't know really know much about me because and this is not a malicious thing. So my relationship with him feels less contentious and less charged because he's not malicious. He's just broken is the the best way I can just sum it up right now sure um and but it's like getting to it's similar to what you just said where it's like something so minimal feels so big to you same if my dad called me and asked me a question I would be I'd be on cloud nine you know be like wow like wow he loves me he cares about me you know, and then you you doubt yourself, you judge yourself. You're like, oh, the stakes are so low. It's so pathetic. <laughs> but, you know, we don't we we can't control who these people are. And 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 so I think that for your dad and for you, that was a huge moment yeah. for you and for him. That was huge milestone celebrated as if it was whatever your, you know, greater version of that would be when you look at someone else's family and you think like, I wish I had that. It's like you had your version of that based on what your father is capable of giving you, you know? Yeah. It's, it's all about, um, cause for me, you know, it's funny you describing it like a drug where it's like, I, I, I don't really do drugs. Um, but, um, but you, I, I have learned to appreciate those moments 
I can appreciate that moment, but yeah. not chase that high, you know? Because I, I do... Ah. So that's that's also something where it's like, okay, I got that. That's good. I can live with that. I'm very happy. And I can... And I'm cool. Um, so, yeah. And not expect that that's going to happen again. Just be like, okay, that's a thing I have now. Okay, that's smart. Yeah. and But again, you know, that's also... I, I'm 33... That's 33 years of work, you know, <laughs> in a way. It's like probably more I like know. You know, like 13, but um, it's, yeah, yeah. it's this like, because there's times when um, I was engaged and my fiance just kind of up and left me. Uh, I was on vacation mm. with my sister and I came home to a note on the door that was like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And she was gone. Um, it was like... Oh my gosh, I never told this story on this podcast, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> what is it about you, Ani? A I'm... note on the door. Yeah. This was after a phone call that said, I'll be there when you get home, by the way. Um, yeah. And and this is, you know, there was no there was no abuse. There was no drinking. There was no, well, there, okay, I will admit there was drinking, but not, but it was casual drinking. No alcoholism. Yes. Uh, because it's like, you have the weekend off. You know, I'm going to sit at home and watch TV. Um, but it was no... Yeah, there was no financial difficulty, really. You know, we were doing okay. Um, it was just... I don't know. She was just... That's a whole other thing. But um, I remember what she said. And this is another thing I, I've talked a little bit about. Uh, okay, so we talked a little bit uh, a long time ago... Um, You've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, have you? I haven't. Um, no. I think you'd like it. If you have Hulu, I'd definitely recommend looking it up. Um, because I, I thought about it a lot, and I was like... I said I think I said something about Buffy, and you were like, oh, I haven't seen it. And I was like, well, given what I know about you, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> as I think your yeah, mother would, have, right. would probably have hated it. Um, or hated it for you, I should say. Um, yeah. But I think you as an adult would like it. Um, but anyway, there's there's an episode where Buffy's mother has a brain tumor and she's really incoherent. She's saying a lot of weird things. Um, and that was kind of my mom growing up. My mom's paranoid, mm-hmm. schizophrenic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And, All right. That was what my aunt Lonnie was. Okay. Okay. Uh, and that was something that my, my ex uh, used against me in the note said, I saw the paperwork from your therapist's office that said you've been diagnosed bipolar and I can't deal with that, which was a lie. I've never been diagnosed with that. My diagnosis was major depressive disorder. Um, and I talked to my dad about it. And again, where my dad, you know, has those moments, right, where he comes through. He, uh, he was like, I lived with someone who was bipolar and schizophrenic for 30 goddamn years. You don't fucking tell me who's bipolar and schizophrenic. He's like, so she's horrible and I'm glad she's out of your life. You know, you don't deserve that. And I just looked at him and I was like, uh, first of all, those are the most intense swear words you've ever said in my entire life. Uh, (laughs) Secondly, I was like, uh, yeah, my dad has this horrible tendency to always be right. And (laughs) it's, it's just a thing. Um, But it, it, it was such a, it was so freeing to hear that and from him, yeah. somebody that I don't see much emotion out of a lot. 
So when yeah. he has that emotion and he's reaching out to me and connecting with me, I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. And it's funny, you know, we, you know, we grew up Catholic. He was actually, he was a permanent deacon in the Catholic church. Um, well. So he devoted a good chunk of his life to all that. And I think as the years went on, we never really talked about it, but I think he had some sort of crisis of faith because they don't go to church anymore. Um, and Interesting. I, I thought so too. And it, it made me feel less guilty about not going to church when, <laughs> when I didn't. And because going to church for me is very, it's, it's just more of like a meditation. I, I like, I like the quiet. I like the silence. I like the structure of, of the Catholic mass. Um, and I also like that I feel like I'm in a community that is loving and caring. Um, mm. And I, and that's what pisses me off so much about people that weaponize their Christianity, mm-hmm. that weaponize their faith, you know? And, and what people don't realize, it's no different than you, you sitting there saying, you know, like the way your mother has treated you is arguably no different than the terrorists from 9-11, you know? Yeah. Using their faith to do mm-hmm. terrible things. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, am I wrong? <laughs> and there is only, no, the belief that there's only one way of thinking and there's only one belief system that is correct and everybody else who doesn't subscribe to it will fucking suffer. It's like the terrorists at 9-11 enacted that suffering themselves. My mom likes to remind me that that suffering is coming for me uh, via an eternity in the lake of fire. But she also creates that suffering for me. So, like, you know, I asked her in the past week with very clear and calm and rational and actually kind terms to please not follow up every single conversation we have. With her telling me that the reason that I'm experiencing whatever it is I'm experiencing is because of my lack of Christianity. She's going to sell me on her version of beliefs over and over and over again. You know, what actually helped me make the decision to cut her off is I used to just talk to my mom about life. And like you were saying, like, I've been through a lot. I have honestly felt like my life for the past... I've been getting better, but it has felt like my life is just sort of like hurdle after hurdle that I have to try to like figure out now. A lot of that is and stuff. And I'm, you know, trying to figure that out. But basically I used to be honest with my mom about my struggles and she'd always use them against me. Well, that's because you're not a Christian and I don't have those struggles because I'm a Christian. It drew, it drove me nuts enough that I decided I was only going to share positive things with my mom. So I had a conversation with her where I only shared positive things. I only talked to her about my gratitude and what I'm learning and how I'm growing and how I'm feeling better and all of the gifts that I've experienced. And I thought to myself, Ani, you did a good job. You're not going to get an email about how you're still failing because you only talked about the good stuff. Well, I still got an email, Hmm. but this time it was labeled gratitude. And the body of the email was basically that her brand of gratitude you know, which she sold to me via a few Bible verses she included in the email was the one I needed to subscribe to. Yes. And I got very frustrated. I was just like, Oh, it, it literally doesn't matter what I say. I'm still going to hear from her that I'm doing something wrong and she's doing something right. So that's when I was like, Hey, I'm not on the market for new beliefs. 
I set that bound. I respect that boundary for you without you having to set it. I think about sending you stuff that I'm learning all the time because it helps me. And I think about you and, but I don't do that because I understand. I acknowledge that you have your own religion. So I don't do that to you. I'd like you to please not do that to me anymore. And I sent the email to friends for feedback and everyone was like, this is clear. It's fair. You don't attack her, whatever, whatever. And In response, I have received a week's worth of lengthy, abusive, bullying, harassing, emotional terrorism emails. Mm. One after another, after another, after another. I can't bring myself to read all of them because they're the stuff that does jump out to me is too painful. And also I'm like, these are in response to me setting a boundary to no longer do this. So like, I'm not going to, you know, engage with this fully or whatever, but it's just to circle back around to what you said. Yes, it's the same. It's terrorism. It is. And oh, I I was telling the story about how I when I introduce friends to my mom, she will bring up Christianity in the first conversation that she has with people. So mm-hmm. like I introduced her to a friend of mine named Tree once we were driving through my hometown. We stopped at her house and my mom said to tree as she was leaving we only stayed for like 10 minutes she said and we had talked about our trip where tree and i had gone we didn't talk about anything super substantial but my mom made a point to say hey tree i really hope that you give your heart to the lord because i'd like to see you in heaven someday and i think ani would like that too and i was just like oh my god like this is so inappropriate to say well my cousin helped me point out how superior even a statement like that is. It's her way of saying, hey, so just so you know, I'm going to heaven. I've made the right, the, the one right decision. I've made that. Um, I hope that you do too. I hope you do what I've done, mm. which is the only one way. Yeah. It's the only right and true way. And I, I've gotten there. I, I'm sorry you haven't gotten there yet, but I, I hope you'll join me in the truth. And that was the theme of one of the emails that I skimmed from my mother where she mm. said, a lot of people love to deny absolute truth, but they're all fools or whatever. And this has happened since the beginning of time. You're not special because you're denying absolute truth. It was like her way of saying she had absolute truth, diminishing me for not adhering to it. And then also that email goes into how Trump is a beacon of absolute truth. So it's just like, I can't, <laughs> I can't engage with this. Like, it's ridiculous. But anyway, yes. It's, it's terrorism. It's terrorism, it's superiority, and it's violence. You know, my mom uses emotional violence and terrorism, but I'm here to tell you, it's debilitating in the state. Like, it ruins lives. I have, like, the amount of time I've had to spend just, like, dealing with my own trauma that I could have spent on having a happy life is unconscionable. It doesn't have to happen, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's terrorism. Yeah. It, uh, it's... I, I I love to hear you say that because I I I love to hear people coming I, I love these types of stories. You know, you coming out of this um this abusive and toxic relationship and and you being able to to see it for what it is. And it's hard because when it's your family, it's like like well, toxic is toxic, right? Uh, it's like, yeah, but that's your mom. You should love your mom. Yeah. 
well, that's your dad. You should love your dad. It's like, well, I can't, like, luckily in my case, it's obviously not nearly as awful as yours. Um, but, you know, I, I love hearing you step out of that and, and, and not make excuses, not go, well, it, 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 like this line, right? The, going back to my friend I was talking about earlier, um, the line she would say, yeah, but he's not like that when you're not around. That line, right? Um, yeah, not not okay. Well, let me say, like, uh, thank you for saying that to me and, like, commending that in me. That is so new, and it has had, I've had that drilled into me. The whole, whole like, I have put other people and their disorders and their lack of ability to be kind or patient or compassionate ahead of my own needs my entire life. Yeah. I said to my therapist two weeks ago, I said, but I, I explained all the pain that my mom was actively and deliberately causing me as she was bulldozing the one boundary I've tried to set with her in 10 years. Mm-hmm. I explained the pain to him. I explained, I gave him numerous examples of, of how she has chosen to deliberately be cruel to me and try to cripple me. And I still ended all of that with, but I have compassion for her because I understand where she came from. I understand what she dealt with. I understand why she stunted. And so I just feel like I just have to have compassion for that and kind of allow it. And he said, fine, have compassion for her, but at what cost to yourself? Mm. And I just needed to hear that sentence two weeks ago because that's the crux of it and anyone listening who relates to this the crux of it is how it's affecting you on a daily basis I do not cause my mother pain well my existence causes my mom pain because I'm not a Christian and that sucks it's almost like like coming out as gay and your parents think that you're going to hell for being gay. Like my existence disappoints her and she prays for my salvation every day. So that's Mm. a hard weight to carry. It sucks that no matter what I do, she can't be proud of me because the only thing that actually matters I'm not doing, which is being a, you know, a a Christian, a fundamentalist Christian. Mm -hmm. So that that's, you know, very painful. Um, I did it again. I lost my train of thought again. Um, talking to your therapist, getting that at what cost to you? So basically it's just that it's that I be compassionate. Like I think that there's a lot of healing in finding compassion for the people that are causing you pain. But if that compassion puts you in a place where you continue to, allow yourself to like be abused that's that's where the problem lies and so I've only been able to I think make that distinction and separate in that way in the past couple weeks I have made excuses for these people my whole life but making excuses for these people for my whole life has caused me tremendous amounts of what I'm now understanding to be unnecessary pain like the type of pain that my mom in this case, causes me, like, nobody else in my life causes me that type of pain. I don't do it to myself, and nobody else treats me that way. Like, I just can't imagine, like, a friend or even a partner 
responding to me saying like, hey, this one thing that you do causes me a lot of pain and here are all the reasons why. Having them be like, oh, you think you're, you think I'm going to stop? I'm certainly not. Here are all the bullet pointed reasons why I'm not going to stop. And Mm. also while we're at it, let me tear your character apart. Like, it's just, it's, it's a no from me at this point going forward. I mean, I blocked my mom's email and phone number two days ago. Oh. And the email blocking happened, I think, it could have been three days ago now. And the phone number blocking happened yesterday. This is very new. Oh, wow. Um, Wow. That's, that, that's hard. That's very hard. Um, yeah. Because again, it's like we were talking about that. That's your, that's, this is your mom. You know, this is. And I'm an only child. So like, do you have siblings? Yeah. I have two sisters. So I don't know. I don't know what the sibling experience is, but there's something about being an only child where I, I feel a duty to continue to be available to her because she's got no one else. A little bit. There's, I have a little bit of that, but I think it's self-imposed because I'm an only son, um, where I feel like I have to quote unquote carry on the family name. Um, yeah. My daughter does not have my last name, which does not bother me at all because, and I'd said this to the mother. I was like, "Look, you're my part was easy, like you're doing all the you're doing all the hard work, you know, like." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, if she gets your last name. Because I we talked about maybe doing like a joint last name, um, and then she ended up giving her, her last name, and I was just like, and there were a couple like more conservative friends of mine that were like, oh, doesn't that bother you? I was like, not at all. Like she did all the work, you know. Like my part was easy. Yeah. Did that love- did that a long time ago. Barely remember. We were kind of drunk. Anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. But <laughs> um, but uh, so it's like, um, so but I I was like oh but I. But I'm the only son, right? I gotta, I gotta carry on the family name, don't I? Like, and my son, uh, like my name is actually, uh, I'm a junior, and uh, so he's senior. So we have the same name, uh, which I will not reveal here. Um, but uh, so I was like, well, then the next, I gotta name the next kid after that, right? Like, if we have yeah. a son, he's gotta have the same name, and. I even talked with, uh, you know, my ex about that. I was like, what, you know, what do you think we would have done if we had a boy? And she was like, she was like, never really crossed my mind, to be honest with you. I was like, maybe that's just men and women thinking differently. But I don't know, because I did think about that. Um, yeah. But here's a story I wanted to share with you. That yeah. um, a friend of mine, um, I, as I told him before the baby was born, I was like, I, I'm utterly utterly terrified of being like my dad like i don't think there's anything scarier than that um maybe snakes but no but seriously uh, <laughs> um i was like i, was like, I just i say like, I'm, I'm scared of being like my dad and he and he had a, a kind of a tough relationship with his father uh even to this day and he said i'm gonna tell you a story that uh he had a fight with his son his son is uh, at the time it was like 12, uh, 13, 12, which is insane. Cause I was there when that kid was born. I held him when he was born. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, he's like, he was doing something. He was acting out and I yelled at him and I said, you're, 
I was like, I was like, you can't be acting like that. And he was like, I didn't, I didn't do what you're saying. And, and we had this big fight and I was like, yo, go to your room. I'm tired of hearing about this. So, you know, kid stomps off to his room. He's like, I went into his room a few minutes later. I sat on his bed with him and I cried. And I said, I'm not doing this with you. This is how I was raised. My dad would yell at me for the dumbest things. I'm not doing that with you. And that story touched my heart so much. Like, okay, it is possible to break the cycle, right? Oh. We can can escape that reality and form a new reality for ourselves. Um, It's... It is possible, and I'm glad that it, it, it makes me so happy hearing that you're doing that for yourself, um, because I think that you deserve it. And again, all I know about you is that you have this giant jug of water next to your bed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all you need to know, really. <laughs> it's not much more than that. You know? <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, hearing you tell your stories, um, you know, listening to your podcast, and I've watched a couple episodes of your uh, Around the World in 2020. Uh, which uh, is on Instagram, uh, Instagram Live. I highly rec- recommend you guys look it up. Um, it, uh, and well, you know, we'll plug everything at the end. Uh, but it's, it's great to hear that. It's great to know that we can break these cycles because yeah. the hardest thing to do, and this was something I've, I had to do recently, was break your own toxic cycles. Oh, my God. You, you got to take those rose-colored glasses off. We all have them. Ugh. We all yes. have our own toxic, shitty cycles that we have to break. Yes. And, yes. and you know, the reason that it didn't work out with, you know, my baby's mother and I is because we, because there were toxic things that I wasn't addressing, that I yeah. wasn't doing. And I yeah. see them now. And same with yes. her. We look at each other as different people and we're building a new friendship. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not easy at all when you have to look at your own toxicity you have to look at what am i doing wrong you know um and also good on you for recognizing that i'm sure it it took a long time for you to realize that your mother shaming you isn't something that is wrong with you because i think i think i'll still struggle with it because even though like we were talking about logic versus emotions yeah even still, like, the last email I got from my mom, she used something. One thing she used to say. Getting to an age right was able to articulate, hey, there's nothing the matter with me. You disagree with me right now, and that's fine, but you making me feel like that's because of an inherent flaw within me is really cruel. Mm-hmm. I remember articulating that to her. And in her last email, she kept badgering me with all these long responses to me being like, please stop. And her being like, here's eight pages about why I'm not going to stop. Mm-hmm. I said, Hey mom, I'm not even reading all these full emails. I said, I'm reading the first couple lines and I'm deleting them because I set a boundary. And if you're not going to follow it, I'm going to set my own, I'm going to honor my own boundary and delete these messages. So she made sure to respond with two sentences because I said I read the first two. And Mm. the second sentence is, what has happened to you? And I just was like, okay, this is the thing that she does. And I had a reaction to it. It wasn't pleasant, 
Um, I shut down emotionally a little bit. Mm. And then it turned into two days of me completely questioning my worth and my existence. And I knew why I was doing it. I was like, it's because of this. But I still, my thoughts throughout the day were, it doesn't matter what I do. No one's listening anyway. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't, I I don't matter. Um, I'm wrong. I'm inherently bad. I went through all the stuff that used to feel so real to me before I had done any work on it, right? Right. It came back and I was like, okay, this is why I'm having these thoughts. I have a very clear reason why. But even knowing that those thoughts were from that source and they weren't real, for a couple of days, they still sure felt real. I did a lot of crying and a lot of, you know, when you just like, when you get beat down by these like emotional vampire, emotional terrorist people, you just feel like nothing. Like yeah. you just feel absolutely worthless. I still was able to get back. She was still able to like put me back into those spaces. Um, so I think an important thing too, to remember that I've learned is like, Keep reminding yourself about the difference between logic and emotion mm-hmm. and allow yourself to be overtaken by emotion for a couple days and remind yourself that you're being overtaken by emotion for a couple days and to not listen to your thoughts, too. I think that's another thing that I remind my I allow myself now that I give myself permission to disregard my thoughts. Yeah. You know, like, OK, everything you think today sweetheart it's just not true <laughs> go ahead and think it but no sweetie we're not gonna like put that in our you know long-term processing system or whatever like i have these little tricks for myself now um but yeah i wanted to say that i i i totally hear that because i think that and i always say this that one of my favorite words is vent because i think mm. that it's very healthy if you're upset about something to say it out loud and vent about Absolutely. it and yep and there was a, a meme that a friend of mine shared on Facebook that was like, it's like I know I'm being overdramatic, but I just need to be overdramatic for a minute, okay? And I was like, yeah. I fucking feel that in my soul. Like, yes. sometimes you just need to say and do all the horrible things that you know isn't true. Um, Get it out. There's, there's a Dane Cook joke um, about crying. Um, mm. Have you ever heard that? Um, where when he says... Um, He's like, you know, you just some days you just need to really cry. So like you get home and you just collapse and cry and you just start saying some dumb phrase over and over again. Like, I did my best. I did my best. (laughs) And then and then suddenly and then you just start thinking of all this dumb shit that's happened in your life. And you go like, remember Lauren, when Lauren had that party in fifth grade and she didn't invite (laughs) you and you go, why didn't she invite me? Like we were friends. And I I was just laughing my ass off going 150,000%. Um, it's, it, how real is that? You know, like he's, he's telling a joke, but he's also um, speaking that truth. That's like, you know, sometimes you just need to cry sometimes and you don't even know why you just, yes. you, you need to let that and out. If you don't, I'm so glad you bring this up. If you don't have people in your life, who help create safe spaces for you to fully express your emotions, like to really go all in with them, just get them out, get in your car, drive to a secluded area and do it alone in your car. Like Mm. scream, cry, especially like the election is a perfect time to offer this advice. Like basically no matter what type of person you are, you're going to be upset tomorrow. 
Like sure. that's the safest way of saying it. Like you're going to be upset. There are, there's two camps, right? Or yeah. there aren't two camp, whatever. You know what I mean? No matter, there's not two camps. Let's say no matter what camp you're in, you're going to be disappointed tomorrow. I'm disappointed I had to vote for Joe Biden. Okay. <laughs> so like, I, I'm, I'm just, dis- we're all experiencing so much. Yes. You do have to get that stuff out. Think of emotions as physical objects because they, they affect you as though they are like, it's like, emotions as like a virus mm. you need to expel it like food poisoning you feel like screaming it's because you need to scream get in your car go somewhere safe and fucking scream pound on your steering wheel you know like cry if you're gonna cry wail like get it out i've had people in my life a couple people a couple mentor like figures who have given me that permission so i've experienced the healing benefits of it mm-hmm. emotions are real they're tangible they affect you and if you are filled with rage and anger and stuff, you got to get that shit out. Because if you don't let it out, it's going to come out in really unhealthy ways. You're going to destroy yourself. You're going to destroy your life. You're going to destroy your opportunities. Go express your emotion. It's like those rage rooms that I know exist that I haven't experienced yet. But you like put on a hazmat suit and you like break shit. Go find one of those. Like, yeah. you know, in a, in a healthy, safe environment with yeah. support, break shit. Whatever that means for you. And you know what I mean by that like sure do it exercise it get it out it's for your benefit it it's it 100% is like if you need to it you know as gross as it is if you need to puke you gotta puke you know yes get it out yeah if you need to scream you need to scream you need to you need to let that stuff out because that is healthy and for so long you and I were taught that whatever we were feeling wasn't healthy if it wasn't yes. in service in service to the lord right yes and and yes. That, and that's and that's not right because that person does not have the moral high ground because they they have this book in their hands and that's yes. not to say that you or i have the moral high ground because we don't no but no. we at least can do our research and have compassion and have feelings for people no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing. Um, exactly. And it's, it's tough because we grow up in these environments that, you know, like growing up Catholic, growing up, you know, born again, being basically being looked at and told you're a sinner and you need to yeah. repent. You need to repent yeah. to the Lord and, and just sort of accepting that as reality, right? Like, okay, yeah, yeah uh, I, I did something wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and that's, and then kind of having to think. Di- but did I do anything wrong? What did I do wrong? You know, I, in your case, like. You know you, you matured and you learned, and yeah. you grew up, um, yeah. and in my case, I. Kind of did those. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but it's the same thing. It, it, it came from listening to other people, from learning from other people, which is not easy. Um, someone right. with a totally different life experience. You know, something as simple as, as you saying the other day, because uh, we tried to do this a couple weeks ago, and you were like, I can't do it now. Can we reschedule? And, and I was like, yeah, that's no problem. And 
because it, and and I and I could sort of feel your energy a little bit even through the phone like I'm so sorry you know this happened this happened and in my mind I'm just like it's the furthest thing from a big deal dude like you know I I I don't take it personally um because first and foremost the only person it's affecting is nobody <laughs> like it's is, is it affecting my schedule no cuz I have like six other episodes lined up so I can release them whenever um, so it's like, there is that momentary, like, oh my God, what am I going to do for the next episode? And then I'm like, yeah, it, it literally doesn't matter if I miss a week, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you don't need to apologize to me. Um, mm. I just, I appreciate you telling me ahead of time, like, oh yeah, I can't, uh, <laughs> because that is the right thing to do. Um, but it's also, it would be shitty of me to be like, well, d- dude, Ani, you prompt, you said, you said, <laughs> you said we were doing this. Because yeah. that's not right. I don't know what yeah. your I don't know what your schedule is. I don't know what your life is. You know, I mean, obviously, I know a little bit now, but um, it's like yeah. you you have stuff going on. Who the hell knows? And that's fine. You can do that, and I can sit back yeah. and go, okay, well, I'll do something else and live my life, and then we'll get together a different time. You know, yeah. if only other people were as rational and as cool as we. But are. you were saying though that it took therapy. Yeah, well, it said, well, you said it took therapy for you to get to a place of, like, acceptance and not assuming the worst about everybody and every situation and stuff. Sorry, that's my translation of what you said. No, no, Because that's been my experience, too. Like, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, and it, it, it sounds like it's the environments that we were raised in by the people that we were raised by. But it's like, I lived most of my life in perpetual fear of everyone and also thinking that everyone hated me so yes. any little thing that happened it was like well it must be because i am the scum of the earth you know and yes. so like someone someone something coming up and people's schedules needing to change and that affecting me say no more no you don't have to say it i get it it's because i'm worthless and like you were embarrassed <laughs> to ever have to talk to me in the first place like you know you and you fill in the blanks with all this like worse stuff i have had to do so much work on that Mm. um so i completely get it and you know i'll just share this little tip one thing that really helped me is when you assume something about something that's going on you assume it must be because this person hates me it must be because i'm stupid it must be because i'm worthless whatever it is you're making up a story yeah so hey while you're at it why don't you just make up a story that feels good yeah because you're making up a story either way you're doing that you're saying those things those things weren't said to you you're saying them so hey while you're writing while you're coming up with something make it feel good for yourself see how that feels instead i had that advice given to me that was one of the i've had so many just like life-changing life-altering mindset shifts um Mm. that i've sought out and that have been given to me based on me seeking out you know answers i suppose coming into contact with like wise helpful people and that was one of them as long as you're writing stories why don't you make them feel good for yourself mm. and it's an it's building new neurological pathways right so something bad happens the old stories the pathways your brain goes down is it must be because i'm the fucking worst whatever it is you say to yourself whatever your inner talk is yep well fine go ahead and do that too but then why don't we why don't we also tell the other 
possible version of that story that feels good just as practice. And then over time, your brain can go to those places that feel better more automatically. It's literally just practice. I think that's another thing about like being positive and like mental health and stuff and feeling better is it feels really stupid at first. And you're just (laughs) like, I used to have a joke about it. I wrote a joke about it that um, self like positive affirmations would work on me if my subconscious didn't have such an acute bullshit detector. (laughs) That's what it felt like at first. It's like, yeah, I am smart and I am worthy. Yeah. 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 What the fuck ever. It doesn't feel (laughs) real at first. You know, you're just like, it's fucking bullshit. But here's the thing. That's part of it. Push through the bullshit keep telling yourself the things that feel good get tell this is another thing that was given to me and it's similar to what i just said but the wording is a little different it's just as powerful okay something goes wrong you take it on to yourself you're like it was because of me i ruined it i always ruin everything whatever okay not trying to take those realities away from you maybe you do ruin everything Maybe, maybe you do fuck things up. Maybe you could be doing better. Fine. That is half of the story. 50% of it. Mm -hmm. Let's tell the other half of the story. Let's tell the other side of it. What also can you say that is also true about you that could be applied to the situation that feels a little bit better? Oh, it's not that I ruin everything. It's just that I have ADHD. So if I don't write stuff down, I'll forget something. I didn't write it down or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like also tell yourself the other version of the story that feels a little bit better as an exercise. Learning to do that has helped me so much because now, now I've like reprogrammed my brain in so many areas of my life where I can like, you know, my reaction to something can be like, Oh, totally not a big deal. I'm sure everything's going to be fine. Um, but even just that little thing that you said where I had to reschedule and you were just like, Oh, totally. Absolutely. Not going to be an issue. I know and want to acknowledge like how much work for someone like for people like you and I Mm -hmm. goes into being able to have that be your takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. Um, but it's, but it's an important life skill that you need. Um, and Ani, this, this has been, I think my favorite episode that I've done, uh, much less comic book talk than I anticipated, (laughs) but but no, 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 totally cool. Because this is stuff that's near and dear to my heart. And my whole goal with the podcast is to, uh, shed light on, on how comic books aren't disposable children's entertainment, that there's stories to be told there. And, and I think that there's. And there's also stories to be told of real people like you and me that are coming, that go through, go through life's shit and try to find a way out of it. And, and hearing your story. And again, it it sounds, it's, it sound, may sound strange to say because, you know, we, we're just getting to know each other, but I am very proud of you for, for what, for what you've done for yourself. You know, it's... <laughs> It's 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 remarkable, and I hope that people listen to this and are inspired by it because I'm I'm definitely inspired by it, um, and uh, and I and I wish you all the luck in the world. I hope that we will we'll get you back for another episode. Uh, 
watch some Buffy. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, I was gonna say, give me homework. I'll watch something and then we'll discuss it. Yeah, yeah I'd love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if it has Batman in the title, watch that. We I can talk about okay. Batman all day. <laughs> um, but uh, so Ani, uh, if people want to find you out there in the in, in in the interwebs, where can they find you? Um, I'm most active on Instagram. My handle is NimbleWill, N-I-M-B-L-E-W-I-L-L. Um, Twitter, Ani, lowercase Easton. And I have a, a series I'm doing called Around the World in 2020. Mm-hmm. It's on my IGTV and YouTube where I interview people all around the world about what their experience of 2020 has been like because I live in America and America's <laughs> a shit show and also, sure. I just don't like how it feels like America's the center of the universe and, like, we're the only ones that matter. So I've really wanted to tune into the experiences of other people elsewhere this year. And it's been enlightening and truly, like, has emotionally saved me, just connecting with others mm. about their experiences, finding the commonality, um, tuning into the differences, too, learning from how other people are doing things elsewhere. Sure. Also, like, what to do and what not to do. It's been great. So check that out. I would love it if you would subscribe to YouTube. I'm a baby on YouTube. I think I have like 100 subscribers, which is cute. Um, <laughs> uh, so, we, you know, you can do that if you'd like to. Episodes come out every Monday, not this week because of the election. I don't want to try to pull focus. Um, and then also I have a documentary called Who's Your Teacher about the need for better sex ed in the school system that um, I'm going to actually try to get distribution for now because I have an episode of a Vice docu-series called Finishing School that is supposed to come out in the next couple of days. There are some delays with the episode, but um, you can check that out on vice.com slash finishing school in the next couple of days and look for my documentary, Who's Your Teacher. You can sign, I'm going to like do like a newsletter sign up sort of thing mm-hmm. um, any day now so that you can get updates on when I actually release it because I have... I want to release that, and then I want to um, create better sex ed, and I have uh, plans for how to do that as a former and also still current educator in some ways. So, Awesome. Uh, so all of you out there, definitely check those out. Um, you know, like I said, Ani, this has been fantastic. Um, fantastic. We'll definitely get you back, uh, hopefully soon. And, uh, and we want to leave you all with a little note. As Abraham Lincoln once said, Whatever you are out there, be a good one. Just don't be a good Nazi, because fuck them. Be, be a good person. So we'll paraphrase Lincoln just a little bit. All right. Brilliant. <laughs> so we're off. Thank you so much. You're, you're welcome. Thank you, folks, for listening. We'll see you soon.